Hello, and welcome to The Bite, Hope Brooklyn's weekly podcast for bite-sized spiritual thoughts to inspire you as you center your life around God's great story. Thanks so much for listening. We're going to be reading today Matthew 2, verses 16 through 18. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and he killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. And then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. Now, once again, our distance between reading this story and actually being in it is revealed. We're told that Herod is tricked by the wise men. The Greek word used for tricked is empizo, which can also be translated mocked. Herod is mocked. He is made fun of. He is deceived by the wise men. And as we know, tyrants are an insecure breed. As we're told by C.S. Lewis, above all else, the devil cannot stand to be mocked. See, those obsessed with securing their power, those obsessed with securing their prestige and their name, take themselves very, very seriously. But the reaction of the belittled tyrants, the reaction of the mocked and the ridiculed tyrants, usually is extremely dark. Because in their worlds, they are the most real. In their worlds, everything and everyone else is a character, a pawn, a type that orbits around them. Everyone else is a ghost even. Very unreal in comparison to how solid and how real they are. So they make decisions that appall us, but which are quite normal and obvious to them, like killing babies. Because babies aren't real to them. Babies are an idea. Babies are a minor detail in a system, a footnote in a story which is all about the tyrant and which is perfectly culminated in their own personal glory. Therefore, it is as Hauerwas writes that Jesus is born into a world in which children are killed and continue to be killed in order to protect the power of tyrants. Christians are tempted to believe that the death of the children of Bethlehem can be redeemed by Jesus' birth. But that is perverse, as Donald McKinnon insists. For as he says, the victory of the resurrection does not mean that these children are any less dead or their parents any less bereaved, but rather resurrection makes it possible for the followers of Jesus not to lie about the world. See, the Herods of the world begin by hating the child Jesus because his very presence mocks them. That it would be the case that the king of Israel would come as a child, that the God of the universe would come as a child, and that Herod is now supposed to orbit around this child Jesus is humiliating. And they can't stand to be so ridiculed. The child Jesus forces the Herods of the world to revolve around him, but Herods revolve around no one. They orbit no one. People, or rather, ghosts orbit them. So they begin by hating Jesus, and they end by killing babies. So Jesus better be who he says he is, 
because too much blood has been shed by the ridiculed Herods, who were terrified of the freedom and the joke found in the birth of God. And before we get thinking that, you know, we're talking about someone else, the reality is, is that there's a little Herod inside all of us. For the fear that grew in him, the sense of scandal and shock that we would have to lay down our lives and orbit around the God who was born as a baby, that's inside of all of us. <laughs> Children rightly frighten us, says Hauerwas, because they pull us into the unknown future. Their very selves, their very lives being unknown. Friends, we give birth to a child and our very life has been absolutely changed and altered and now orbits around this child and we know nothing about them. We have no idea what their personality is. We have no idea who they're going to become. And yet our life is now orbiting to a degree around theirs. See, that's the true name for love. Love is to come up against a person entirely mysterious and impervious to your attempt to control them and to learn to make room in your life for those who are different and for those who you don't know. That's what Herods can't do. That's why people remain ideas or stereotypes or details in their heads because it's cleaner and easier for the Herods of the world to, to think of people as ghost, as not real, than actually dealing with another human being who is, dare we say, equal to them. I was talking the other day with a Huffington Post reporter who was down in Charlottesville, actually, and he says one of the most shocking things about uh, the people he interviewed, and he interviewed a couple white supremacists, is that many of them tried to make the case that they weren't, in fact, racist. Their, their politics and their ideologies um, did not lead to the conclusion that they hated people of different races. But then they were asked by this Huffington Post reporter, well, how many friends, like genuine friendships, uh, where people could speak into their lives, did they have with people of different races? And as you might suspect, there weren't many. <laughs> See, their only exposure to people of other races was in the form of theories and ideologies behind computer screens. People of other races weren't real to them. They were ghosts. And see, in the same way that fear makes people, real people, into ghosts, unreal ghosts who orbit me and my world, in the same way that fear makes real people into pawns, into details, into types that I can control and manipulate and do my bidding, my unreal bidding, in the same way that fear props me up as ruler of my own world, it starts with ideas that preserve my life and glorify my place in the world, and it ends with me shouting hateful, racist words in the open air as I hold an lit tiki torch. Now the antidote to the fear of Herods is simple. Love. Love expressed in the idea of giving birth to a child. See, the love found in giving birth to children is the love that makes room for another who you don't know in your world. It's the love that not only makes room for a mysterious other, but it's a love that fundamentally alters your world for the sake of this mysterious stranger. 
For that's really what we're talking about when we say we welcome the child. We welcome the stranger into our midst. For you to orbit around the child's world, even as the child is orbiting around yours, is the uh, mutual submission that we call love. But it is into this fearful world in which we're all trying to force other humans to orbit around us that the true son, both S-O-N and S-U-N, is born without pomp, without circumstance, humbly and quietly. And though we've always orbited around him, though we don't know it or acknowledge it, he begins his life on this earth by orbiting around us because his name is love. Is there room in your world to orbit around another? Lord, our prayer is simple. Where we are afraid of the stranger, give us courage or even put us in situations where we have to orbit our lives around the stranger, and especially the stranger as found in a little child. Show us how to live lives that are not about ourselves at all, lest we become Herods, lest we become insecure tyrants who take ourselves way too seriously. Show the church how we can do that. It's in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Bite. To find out more about the mission and ministry of Hope Brooklyn and to subscribe to our other podcasts and lots more, visit us online at www.hopebrooklyn.org.